Hello, I'm Ben Harmon, the Director of Stills, a centre for photography based in Edinburgh and a registered charity. You're listening to a series of conversations with artists and photographers that we are in touch with to discuss and share their ideas during the time of the coronavirus lockdown. To learn more about Stills and to get involved or to support our work, please visit stills.org. Thanks for listening to Photography Down the Line. Hello, is that Andrea? Hello, Ben. Hi. Uh, hi, how are you? I, I, I'm, it reminded me there of when I first made contact with you via email and I started my email to be polite and I didn't want to assume anything. I wrote, dear Flannery. Um, yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll answer to either. <laughs> I, um, yeah, and, and you, so you work under the name Flannery O'Kafka and it's a, it's a reference to Flannery O'Connor and Franz Kafka. Yes. And the important thing there, perhaps, is that you're interested in this sort of duality. Is that, is that where the idea of working under a name like that comes from? Um, I think that's absolutely true. I don't, I mean, it, it starts from a much less intellectual place than that, I think. <laughs> um, definitely my two favorite authors um, since I was a teenager. And... Originally, I was doing some textile work, like some indie crafting, maybe about eight or 10 years ago. Yeah, 10 years ago. Um, and I was part of the Glasgow Craft Mafia for a short time. Uh -huh. um, and I had an Etsy shop, so I had to decide what to call my Etsy shop. And we ended up calling it Flannery O'Kafka. And then people started calling me Flannery O'Kafka. And then it just sort of stuck and I kept it. Um, yeah, it gives a bit of privacy for the kids as well because they're in a lot of my work. Sure. Um, so I don't tend to use like their full first name and second name sort of out in public. Sure, sure. And, and in many ways, your work is over the last few years has been a, the creation of a, a kind of... A, a kind of family album or you, you you've been exploring that idea and and sort of deconstructing the idea of the family album in in your work is that is that fair to say yeah definitely um my critical journal which so i graduated glasgow school of art two years ago now um and my critical journal i'll see if i can get the title right um <laughs> was called I think it's called um, Picturing Suffering, Snapshots, Stigmata, and the Family Album. Um, mm -hmm. So specifically a lot of the research I've done and a lot of my work has been made about picturing suffering in the family album. Mm. And we, I, I should declare that we spoke last week and the recording was <laughs> rudely interrupted by my, my neighbor's <laughs> washing machine. <laughs> um, but at the, at when when we were talking you said something that actually I think I've heard you say it before um, this idea of uh, holding things in tension in your work mm -hmm. um, is that um, could you say a little bit more about that what, what you mean by that hold, holding things in tension I think you you described you, you use those words to describe something that you were hoping to achieve with your photographs 
Yeah, that might actually um, kind of circle back around to the Franz Kafka and Flannery O'Connor, actually, um, because Flannery O'Connor is a known um, Catholic writer from the South in the States, um, Franz Kafka, known existentialist writer. Um, and we, we had talked about this quote from Kafka. Can you tell me that quote again? Oh, yeah. Botch it. Yeah. Yeah. He, I don't know if he wrote it or said it, but he's supposed to have said, there is infinite hope, but not for us. Right, right. And, it, and it's this concept um, that he had that I was really interested in, especially as a teenager, um, that he believed in salvation. He believed there was such a thing as salvation, but that it was not for him. Um, and Flannery O'Connor, the writing she does, um, it's constantly sort of, there, there's not a straight allegorical aspect, but um, there is, it's Christ haunted, it's often called. Um, so there's these pictures of salvation constantly, but they're often sort of violent or you know, they involve someone getting a tattoo of Christ on their back that's bleeding and someone's hitting it with a broom. <laughs> um, so they're quite like, like that's maybe, I don't think I'm really answering your question, but I'm definitely holding these things in tension. Mm. Um, this, this sort of thing that I think is at the back of everything, but also how these things are lived out, how you carry suffering, but continue to live, um, how you process through it, et cetera. Is there, um, because when, when people talk about photography, we often talk about ideas of, of truth, the camera never lies, that kind of thing. Is there a, is there a truth that you're holding in tension in your work as well? I wonder, is, is, it, is there a truth or something to do with truth's relationship with reality that you're holding in tension? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think I could probably talk for a few hours about one aspect <laughs> of it, um, which is because I've been trying to, I, one of the things I research is this um, sort of online outsider archive of stigmata portraits yes um so it's visionsofjesuschrist.com um, which i always love to talk about this and i've been looking at it this week again yeah please um, do I, yeah i've not talked to you about it for a while i'd love to hear yeah um, it's it's just amazing it, it's almost all domestic snapshots um because these cases of stigmata which um, if people don't know when people are said to experience the suffering of Christ and they have, um, they bleed like from their hands or from their head um, or from their legs. Um, and they sort of experience the passion, like basically um, of Christ. And, um, you know, I, I'm not really, 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 um, 
Now I'm losing my words, Ben. I'm not, <laughs> I don't know all of, I don't know all the ins and outs theologically. I try to hold this. This is maybe about holding things in tension. I hold it really loosely. I take a benevolent view of this, but I don't really get into um, whether it's real or not, or whether it's mm-hmm. true or not. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I do have this thing that I wonder if someone's experiencing that, and then you take a photograph of them experiencing that, is that a photo of Jesus Christ? Um, and that's, that's a question you ask yeah. yourself. When that's you're- the question. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to figure that one out. <laughs> um, but again, holding things in tension, the whole reason I started that was kind of based on a joke. Um, where it was in a documentary um, and an Indian priest had said, asked someone else, have you seen a photo of Jesus Christ? Um, Which I thought was quite funny because as we know, there would not be cameras. Hmm. You know, there's no possibility for there to be a photograph of Jesus. Um, So I like to just sort of wonder if, if you could, you know, and maybe, maybe that plays with that idea of truth. but I think I take that idea and then put that into taking photographs of my family or landscape or taxidermy. And I think maybe not trying to find out what's true. It's Mm. just trying to slow things down so that I can look at them. Um, Mm. Yeah, because I'm quite a visually overwhelmed person and I don't feel like I really... I don't really look at a whole thing. I tend to sort of look at one tiny part of a thing. Um, mm. Or if I'm in a room, I can't, I can't really look at things. Uh, I'll notice one small thing, but I won't see the big picture. Um, so if I sort of frame something in and then stop it, even if it's like a happening, I can actually look at it. Um, and I don't know if I'm looking for truth. I think I'm looking for all the, like, just, just to sort of twist it a bit and sort of look at all the ways that it is, um, not maybe the way that it can appear to be. Not sure if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, <laughs> it, it does. And I wanted to um, mention another quote. Um, you, you've already mentioned about, you, you know, where the, where the name Flannery of Kafka came from. Uh, I know mm-hmm. that you're, you, you've said to me recently that you're not um, using photography that much, but I know that you've be, you you are definitely a, a maker. You're you're a person who mm-hmm. who likes to make things. And there's a quote you put on Instagram not long ago from Karita Kent, the artist, mm-hmm. educator, activist, and and former uh, nun. And the quote is: "The person who makes things is a sign of hope." What does mm-hmm. that? I wonder why why did you post that and what what sort of meaning does that have for you at the moment? Um, I did try to think when I posted that. I'm not quite sure because I'm not quite sure if I, yeah, I'm not sure if I was having a hopeful moment or if I was having <laughs> like a, I have no hope, so I better put up this <laughs> hopeful quote that will help me to make something. Um, but I do think it is that sort of counterpoint to Kafka's no hope, you know, or that hope's not accessible. And sometimes I think that 
you're still making, um, it's really a sign that you're still alive, you know, and it's, it could even just be that. I don't think it's necessarily, um, like the answer to everything, but it's this hope and like recreation, um, and this hope that even now, like we're making things and we're making hopefully something different, that things will look different, um, after all of this stops happening and we're allowed to leave our yeah, homes would you, would you say that you feel do you feel kind of optimistic about the future and um in terms of of you know what what happens when we resume and you know how how well we resume are you are you i mean i mean in everyone in our daily lives after this um the pandemic that we're going through do you, do you yeah, feel I, I think I um sort of oscillate between being really hopeful and trying to manage expectations um because i I am quite hopeful I think especially um in regards to systems um and the way we treat chronically ill people disabled people. Um, the way things have become much more accessible, museums, galleries, um, online exhibitions, you know, so much has been offered for free, so much that um, people who aren't able to get out of their homes are often isolated from and mm -hmm. find completely inaccessible is now being offered. Um, universities, you know, so so many things that basically were, were people have been asking for for years and they've been told, no, we can't do that, mm. you know, um, and now it's being done. And so I am hopeful that some of those things systemically will change. Um, but mm. at the same time, um, I think I do have to manage expectations because I think when things do go back to normal, inevitably, um, it might be quite easy for people to forget that they were in that place um, and it does seem that even though people have been asking for these things for years um, because the majority of people haven't needed them they haven't been offered mm. um, so so once people don't need them anymore who knows <laughs> but i am i am hopeful i'm definitely hopeful and I've spoken to a few artists and photographers who are for whom the idea of isolation isn't particularly new or or unsettling. And obviously it depends very much on people's different people's circumstances. But how how has it been for you so far? Has it has it meant a huge change in your your sort of daily pattern? Yeah, um, in certain ways, it hasn't made much of a difference at all, actually. Um, I had spent last year mostly in my home, um, probably a majority of that time in my actual bed. So mm. this this hasn't been that different. However, I have to say that I had started getting out <laughs> again. Mm. Um, so I'd start going to Project Ability um, and using their studios there in Glasgow. Um, and I've got a PA that I had two days a week and I was really starting to get like, we're 
getting ready to um, convert my lounge that I'm setting in now um, into a studio. So I feel like I was starting to had a bit of momentum. Um, so to sort of be put back in that place has definitely taken me a bit of um, getting used to basically. Yeah. Um, and because I'm hyper vigilant, I sort of isolated the whole family a week before the rest of the country. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's that like, if you, if we would have talked about it, maybe like three weeks ago, I think I've gone through the stages, you know, there've been stages where I'm like super op optimistic and like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm cleaning out the cupboards. I'm making so much soup. I'm watching all these documentaries. Um, and then I think I went through like, I don't know, another week where it was like, I didn't get out of bed until afternoon. You know, it's, it's sort of going back and forth. Sure. Um, and right now we're on Easter holidays, so I'm not homeschooling right now, sure. which definitely takes a bit of the uh, pressure off. Yeah, um, yeah then you have that fear that your children are turning into slugs and if they don't <laughs> like get outside for their you know daily walk then you're a really bad parent or um yeah i mean so i think what's funny to me is it's not completely different but it's actually it's actually made things more um I don't know, more difficult. It's put more demands on me than I usually have. Mm. So it's kind of done the opposite that I think a lot of people have. Um, mm. So I'm in the place that's usually kind of the quiet place. And I have a lot of time alone to research and um, to make things. Mm. Um, because what I generally do is I sort of have a frenzied period of making photographs. And then I work with those photographs for an extended period of time. Um, so I had the, went to the hospital field residency and yes. graduate residency in December. So I have all of that material and that's why I started working on, started making a zine. Um, but now it's quite difficult to move that headspace around constantly, you know, when you're in a domestic mm. situation. Um, that doesn't have sort of that respite of school, you know, we have like support workers involved and things like that, that just aren't there anymore. Mm -hmm. So, um, so now the teachers and the support workers call once a week. So now I, all, so now it's like my normal life. Plus my kids are home all the time. Plus I'm homeschooling them. Plus I make a lot of food. Plus I have no help. Plus the teachers all call once a week. <laughs> So, yeah, so I'm looking forward to getting out of isolation for yeah. a bit, of, <laughs> bit more time. Yeah, I think we're all uh, isolated, but not necessarily, or maybe we are socially isolated, but we're not digitally isolated, for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, and that's the thing is like, it's like a lot of, so many pe more people are coming into these spaces like Instagram or Facebook or mm -hmm. emails or phone calls so that it does feel like things have become to me suddenly busier um, because that's sort of quite often my sphere of living. If yeah. I'm in the house, um, that's my socializing. So now it's like, and I think I told you this before, it really stresses me out all the quantifying of it. Like 
Mm. Um, you know, quarantine day 12. And I'm like, no, just <laughs> no. Or like, have you made 30 things these 30 days that I've, I'm still trying to get my head around, you know, just the pattern of life being quite different. It's very, it seems, it feels very crowded online at the moment. This, I mean, there's so mm -hmm. many great opportunities for people to take part in, but is there anything, are you, are you tending to avoid things or, or are there things actually that you found that you're, you're sticking to and you're enjoying, not, not necessarily photography um, sort um, of reference points, but. Yeah. Um, I, Again, we, we had talked about this a little bit previously, but I hate sounding really grumpy. Um, <laughs> but there's nothing, I'm like, there's basically nothing happening that I'm interested in. That's, that's not true. There's nothing happening right now that I'm interested in. Since, um, since, you, finished, since you finished Tiger King, you mean? <laughs> yes. Okay. So Netflix. Yes. Interesting. <laughs> I think. Anything anyone's making right now, it, um, I can't even look at it. I don't know why. It's not even a big moral judgment or, um, or just an artistic judgment. It's just I cannot handle the, the idea of quantifying what's happening right now. Um, so there was, there was an RSA award that came up today about work made in response to COVID and I feel, I, I can't even look at these things. I don't know why I can't look at sort of the, you know, the street photographs or, yeah, I sure. don't know. But I can look at, yes, Tiger King. However, since last time we talked, I've moved on from Tiger, Tiger King uh -huh. to, you'll have to look this up, the wild and wonderful whites of West Virginia. I will have to look that up. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's actually on Amazon prime, but, um, it is, it's, it's everything Tiger King is not, um, I think Tiger King's a spectacle, you know, um, and the wild and wonderful whites of West Virginia is a bit more like, um, we've talked about Richard Billingham a lot, but yes. more like yes. raise a laugh. It's a bit more, um, even though it is people coming in to make the documentary, it feels very like these people have, they know who they are. They know what they're doing. They want everything filmed and they don't care who sees it or they don't mm. care. Um, and it's, I think this was, I think it was filmed in 2009. Um, it's about the white family in West Virginia. And I've actually got a quote if you want to hear it. Yeah, please. Um, because I really, I think that's the thing about this is I really related to it as well. Um, and with my um, thin blood, thick water work, it just, because it's, it's about the family. Um, and okay, I'll just read this quote. Yes, please. Um, he said, it's just strange how everything had happened in our family. It seems like my life, our lives, has just been a party and we're just living like it's a story. That we're already dead, but we're still alive too. Get to tell about it. Something of that nature and it's weird. Uh, and I just, 
I, I don't think, I think when I'm making that work, especially about my um, birth family, um, and I make, often making work about my birth family, my adoption, my adoptive family, my family, my five kids that I've had. Um, but it sometimes it doesn't feel like a party, but it feels like a movie. And like, so when I look, like, I'm like, it is like that. It's like, our life has just been a movie and we're living like it's a story that we're already dead, but we're still alive too. And we get to tell about it. Um, <laughs> something of that nature. And it's weird, you know, it's, it's, it's like you're watching something. I get to feel a bit removed from it when I make work. Um, and especially my biological families, like the story and the storyline is something um, really interesting and just kind of amazing to look at all of it. Um, but I have to, I have to have a little bit of distance, which I think is part of that making images. And also, as I've said quite a few times, it's also about sort of saying things that you can't say out loud or you don't want to say out loud, but you can say them visually. Um, sure. So instead sure. of making the documentary, um, I'm taking photographs of uh, taxidermy mountain lions <laughs> instead. <laughs> and, and when you when you find um, yourself on, I don't know how I get there. Sorry. I was going to say when you find yourself on residencies, is that is that an opportunity for you to? I, because I think you've done a few, uh, like mm -hmm. hospital field you've mentioned, and I know you're in the States in 2018, I think it was. Is that an mm -hmm. opportunity for you to step out of the movie? Or do you find sometimes that you get further, further into it? I think definitely when I went to the States, it was like stepping into it. Mm. Um, because I was back into the place that I was conceived and like where my people are from. Um, I went to the land um, that my mother lived on when she was pregnant with me. Um, my birth father still lives there. I think just the connection to the place um, and to the land, and it's, it's a strange place, it's Jasper, Indiana. Mm. Um, and especially if you get out into you get out into the landscape a bit and then I would have to drive about 15 or 20 minutes every evening to go to Ferdinand, Indiana, which is where the monastery is that my great, great grandmother, no, sorry, great, 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 great aunt, um, <laughs> Seraphine Cordes, uh, mother Seraphine. So she, she was the abbotess of the monastery and she built the cathedral and she was an educator I mean, she's an amazing woman. Um, and where I stayed was named after her. I stayed with nuns there. Um, and it's like, you can't, I mean, you can't turn your head without seeing a, some sort of giant white statue of Jesus or Mary mm. um, or a huge Catholic cemetery with a big crucifix um, towering over it. And it was just such a, I don't know, such an odd experience because I grew up removed from that, but still sort of part of that culture. 
Um, and then I've lived in Scotland for almost 20 years mm -hmm. and very removed from that yeah. culture. So to go back to almost like a highly concentrated, like I grew up German Catholic in Southern Indiana, mm -hmm. but that was in a suburb. So I grew up sort of like a typical 80s child with that in my background, but it's like I walked back into the background mm -hmm. somehow. Um, and it was, yeah, it was an intense experience. Everyone knew all the people um, that I met knew my families. Um, mm -hmm. And it would be like, like I had an opening at the end of my residency. I did like a work in progress um, exhibition and a man came up to me and was like, yeah, yeah. I remember your grandfather shot himself you know it's <laughs> like whoa this is this is it's too much you know it's just strange um it's so interesting to hear he, he didn't actually shoot himself he yeah no. but i can't really talk about it that, that's another story I, yeah that's a whole other story yeah no it's he so definitely he was murdered but yes i love he yeah no i love hear you talking about i'm a little bit conscious of time because I know I have to keep these short but there your yes. is there a little bit more information on that series on your website for for the benefit of people listening um, um right now there's just photographs actually yeah. um so there are some images um yeah. and you know you and I talk about every six months about me working on a book yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so that is hopefully going to be happening. Right. Yeah. Um, and also I will be, um, I'm set to show that work again um, in 2021 in September as part of Flow Photo Festival in Inverness. Great, good. Um, and I think that's going to be an Inverness museum and art gallery. Um, Excellent, yeah. Yeah, but I, it's, I think it's quite hard. It's like, I live with these images. I've got big one. I've got, I'm looking at that mountain lion right now, just in my lounge. Um, because you know, when you, when you have degree show and then you have exhibitions and it's like, you maybe sell some things, but you've, you're kind of left with lots of your work. So um, sometimes I think I, I made this work and it's really been shown for a few years, quite a lot. Um, and I almost think I need a little distance from it um, before. <laughs> but you have to live. You have to live with it on your your walls. So <laughs> I know. I know. Well, we've got a big crack on the wall, so something <laughs> I had to put one of my prints up to cover it up. So, mm. well, uh, I could I could talk to you for at least another hour. Um, perhaps we should try and try and do this again in in a further down the line <laughs> if that's okay with you yes sure i think Definitely. um i have i have been told to keep keep these relatively short and um but thank you so much for your time thank you for speaking to thank me you. and um stay well and i'll speak to you again very soon all right and, and it's flannerykafka.com is that right your website yes yeah yes Yes, and Flannery O'Kafka on Instagram if you're interested in posts about how difficult it is for me to find eggs or the soup <laughs> I'm making or strange snapshots of my children. 
That's brilliant. Thank you so much. I'll let, I'll let you go back to your soup. <laughs> okay, thank you. Take care. Thanks a lot. Okay. Bye, Andrea. Bye. Bye.